Welcome to the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. This is a show about pushing through obstacles and hard times in order to live a happy and fulfilled life. I'm your host, Ted Fayton, and it's a pleasure to have you joining us. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Let's grow. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the No Rain, No Rainbows podcast. I've already been having fun getting ready to introduce this guest. But before I do that, as always, shout out to my executive producer, Andre Suttle, Subtle Solution Media, for helping to make this podcast possible. All right. It's time to introduce our guest for today, author, app designer, life transformation trainer, the author of Success Left the Clue. It is my pleasure to introduce on the call, Robert Raymond Riopel. Thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, you know, my snooze button stopped, so I was able to get up, so I'm here and I'm happy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That snooze button, man, it, it gets us. It, and for the listeners who are kind of thinking, okay, what, what are they talking about? I encourage you to listen to the extra audio with Robert on our Patreon page. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month to get extra content from some of our other guests. But yeah, we were talking about the, the habits we need to adopt in order to kind of turn our lives around. And, and you you gave some great insight there and did mention the importance of kind of addressing when you start and the snooze button came into play. But for anybody who hasn't been introduced to your work or, or your book, please introduce yourself really quick, take the stage and let the audience know who you are. Well, you know, I'm just a Canadian boy born and raised in Canada. And right now it's very cold and it's snowing outside. Probably going to get another two, three inches of snow, which means after this, I'm going to go shovel 200 foot driveway, and, <laughs> which is awesome because it's how I get my, you know, I keep my young trim. No, and who, who am I fooling? But it, it does give me exercise. I am an author of the book, Success Left a Clue. But what I'm really proud of is over the last 20 years, I've been blessed to travel around the world, impacting lives. And I do trainings anywhere from three to five days long for anywhere from 100 to 6,000 students at a time. And I've now, you know, I, I used to travel B BC before COVID. <laughs> I used to travel on average 200,000 miles a year around the world doing trainings and loving what I do. Now, a lot of it's virtual. You and I are talking. I'm in my new office because my wife and I, because I don't travel anymore, we decide to build a studio off the back of our house. And so I'm sitting in the office of my 2,400 square foot training studio that we built off the back. The other side of the wall beside me is a super zoom room. And nice. so I did my first training just on the weekend where we utilized the super zoom room, had a blast, people from nine countries. That's what I do now. You know, but starting off, I was just raised in a family, youngest of four. That's, Hey, if you don't matter when it comes to work, if you like what you're doing or not, Work is to support your family. Yeah. And so you work hard, you stay loyal. Even if you hate what you're doing, that's what you do. And find a job that gives you the highest pay and is the most secure. And that's what I did. But at the age of 21, I'm being laid off from my third job. And I'm going, I'm working hard. I'm staying loyal. What the heck's going on here? Yeah. And I realized, no matter how big the company is, I was still another number. And if I wanted any kind of control of my success, I had to take control. And at the time, we were in a terrible economy. There was no real jobs out there. So I decided, because I'm a newlywed, I want to take care of my wife. I decided to do something until I find that real job. And I start delivering pizzas for Domino's Pizza. Hmm. And because of my work ethic, I end up becoming a manager. My wife becomes my assistant. And all of a sudden, we start doing what we know to do. We work hard, open to close, seven days a week. Ugh. And we do that for about a year and a half. We're now qualified to be franchisees. 
but we're still broke because we're not making a lot of money. But we're now qualified to be franchisees, and we get the news where my franchisee says, I'm selling my two stores. I'm getting out of Domino's. And I went into panic mode because, Ted, we had watched enough stores getting sold. We knew the new owners come in and replace the managers right away because they want to have their own team in there. And so my solution was, we better start asking the other franchisees in our city who needs new managers because now we're both about to lose our jobs. And my wife looks at me and she goes, "Uh, why would we do that? We're uh, qualified to be franchisees. Why don't we just buy this store? Yeah. And I looked at her and I'm like, because we don't have any money. That's why we don't buy the <laughs> store. It's kind of funny how that comes into play. But my wife, being the youngest of five children raised by a single mother, she taught her children, you figure out a way. Mm-hmm. And so we started learning, how do you buy a business if you don't have money? And I'll tell you, and I want your audience to hear this, Ted, we made a lot of mistakes. But I yeah. don't look them at them as mistakes. We learn something every single time. And every time we learned what didn't work, we learned how to say it differently or how to look at it differently. And after about four months of really making a lot of mistakes, we now had the confidence to go to our own bank. And we ended up not getting the financing for the store. We actually got a 100% financing for both the stores my franchisee had for sale. Wow. And we became franchisees and it was like, oh, we're successful. <laughs> not. See, we knew how to run a Domino's pizza, but we didn't know how to run a business. And I think, you know, there's a huge difference between running a business and running just at like a store. Well, that was something that was really interesting. If I could touch on that, because yeah. a lot of times we see this in corporate America, we might see it in our jobs where someone's great at their job and they get, they get moved up, whether it be to manager or into a leadership role where they might be a great, for example, Domino's, a great pizza delivery person or great with customer service, doesn't automatically translate to a great leader. Correct. Or even going from a manager to now owning a business, there's almost a new level where you mentioned making a lot of mistakes and figuring things out along along the way. But when you get to a new level and when you transition to, okay, from a manager to now the business owner, it's almost like kind of starting the slate again, where just like you graduate high school as a senior, you go to college and you're a freshman again, (laughs) <laughs> that 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 great decline. It's yep. almost like the same thing happens in business. It is. And that's why, like in my book, the second step of the six steps to create the life you want is find a mentor, someone to model. Mm-hmm. Because if I'd had a mentor, like my franchisee, he didn't he basically threw me into management. The transition was when I found out he was going from one store to two and I'm a de- delivery driver, I said, Hey, uh, you now have two stores. Do you need a new manager? We talked for a couple hours and he said, Okay, you can be my manager. Um, you'll move up in two weeks to the new city. And I said, great, I've been a driver. Can I get in-store experience? He goes, ah, you'll have plenty of time to get it when you are in the store. <laughs> and so I really didn't have a mentor. And so if I'd had a mentor on doing business, I probably would have been a lot more successful quicker. Mm-hmm. And that's why today, anything you do, find someone who's accomplished what you want to accomplish and steepen the learning curve, like make it quicker because you can actually get trained and not only learning from what works, but more importantly, what didn't work for them so you can avoid those mistakes. And I'll tell you, a Domino's Pizza statistic, they loved to share when I was a franchisee. Mm-hmm. The average age of a Domino's Pizza franchisee, because you could not just buy a store, you actually had to successfully manage one. So that's um, for a year meeting a bunch of criteria. Yeah. This is why 95% of franchisees in Domino's started as drivers. And so the statistic they love to say is, the average age of our franchisees is 23 years old. 
And they touted that all over the place. The statistic they didn't like to share was that the average new franchisee went bankrupt within six months. Wow. And why? Because of that transition. Because now they're going from the manager, following all the rules, doing all the systems. And that's like, I'm the owner. Ego kicks in. It's like, I'm going to do it my way. And all (laughs) of a sudden, they start reinventing the system. One of my clues in the book, if you want to reinvent the wheel, do it later. Get the success first, (laughs) then reinvent the wheel. But what do most people do? They try to reinvent right away because they're like, hey, I've been following this system. I know I can do it better. And so they try to reinvent, and then they wonder why they struggle. And it took us two years, and luckily, we finally got things going, and our accountants looked at our books because for two years, we thought, we'll do our accounting on our own. We can't afford to pay an accountant. Uh Uh-huh. And when the government starts knocking on the door going, uh, you're in business, you own us something or owe us something called financials. <laughs> yeah. And we had to get an accountant. Once we got our books caught up, the accountant looked at my wife and I went, how the hell did you guys make it through? And we're like, well, if there was money in the bank, we thought we were doing okay. Is that not the way we should have looked at it? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we were just too, too tenacious to quit. And that's the only reason we didn't go bankrupt in the first two years. So. In this time frame, you mentioned the average age of the franchisee, because one of my questions was, how do you go from $150,000 in debt to financially free by the age of 32? This space in this span where you're, you're running the business and you're now talking to the accountant, what age are you and your wife in this? Yeah, we bought our first stores when we were 23. So we were oh. the average and we started doing okay by the time we were 25, because that's when we got the accounts. We started getting caught up. We had learned enough to know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so we started making pretty good money. Mm-hmm. But of course, we now want to keep up with the Joneses. And that's where we got into trouble. Both coming from poor families, it was like, hey, we're making money. We can now buy a boat. We can now buy this. We can buy this. And all of a sudden, we started piling on the expenses, the expenses, the expenses. And it was we were eight years into being franchisees when we're now the $150,000 in personal debt and going down quick. Mm-hmm. And thank God that's when we were introduced to personal development. We went to a three-day training that taught us, first of all, why we're in debt, but more importantly, it taught us to take ownership of our debt. See, I was good at blaming other people for the debt. They lost my investment. Because of them, I spent this money. And when we learned that, look, you need to take responsibility, and we started doing that, and then we were given tools to be able to change things. Well, from that three-day training, all of a sudden, it was we went from the $150,000 in debt to actually being retired financially free nine months later. Wow. At the age of 32. Okay. That's how quick the change happened. So, and, and I'm sure as a caveat for our listeners, it's not going to happen that fast for everybody, but. Correct. Let's go back to the reason you guys were in, in debt, because I think that's kind of the, the big eye opener for so many people. The question always is you, you stop, you look around and think, how did I get here? And, and it's, it's hard to sometimes look in the mirror and, and say, you were the one in the driver's seat, you yep. know, what turn did you make? So I guess starting with what was the reasoning and then the drastic changes you made that led to the, that yeah. amazing nine month switch. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so one of our stores that we took out of bankruptcy was in a resort community on a lake. So our minds went, you live on a lake, you have a boat. And so we decided to buy a boat that we couldn't afford, but we had a boat. And then the stupid thing about it, Ted, our busy season for that store was boating season. So where do you think the boat sat? In our driveway, looking nice, not getting used, 
but we had all the expenses and bills of it. Yeah. You know, successful people have two vehicles. So we had two vehicles. Now, my wife and I were always together at the store working. So we only used one vehicle, but we had two vehicles with all the expenses. So those were the kind of decisions and a vacation when we learned that the power of vacation. And I am going to say this to your entrepreneurs. Thank goodness. One of the things that really benefited my wife and I, we learned that we had to take mandatory holidays away from our business every single year. Mm. Mandatory because we came back so rejuvenated that our sales would go up, our expenses would go down, and we'd be ready to take our you know business to another level. Whereas I'd watch so many people get caught up into, I can't afford to take time off, I can't afford to take time off, and then they implode on themselves. Yeah. And so the other way we kind of got into financial debt is we went on some pretty extravagant vacations. <laughs> you know, We'd go on a cruise, but on the cruise, we'd buy everything. <laughs> and then we'd come back another going, one. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, how did that credit card bill get so high? So those were the habits that were getting us into debt is because we're like, oh, we can always make more money. Oh, nah, this is something we really want. And then we identified that there's two kinds of wants. There's what's called an ego want, the instant gratification, got to have it now. Mm -hmm. And then there's the true want. What is it that you really resonate that would really, it's something that, you know, would make a change in your life or, you know, and it could be something that's, hey, that rewards you. It could be a nice vehicle, but it's got to be, you've got to think long-term versus short-term. And it's the short-term thinking, the instant gratification to get so many people in trouble. That's what happened for us. And so when we started thinking long-term, now... And, and I'm going to give your listeners an equation. And I don't know if, Ted, this is what you thought. But when I said I went from $150,000 in debt to financially free, did you think I was actually instantly wealthy? Or did you think I was fully out of debt? What did you think? When you said financially free, I thought you were out of debt and comfortable enough to pick your own route for making money. Very close. And so I'm going to give your audience a, an equation. See, the definition of financial freedom is when something called passive income, which is money working instead of you. It could be investments. It could be businesses that are systemized. It doesn't take you running it day to day. But any money that's coming in your direction that you're not actually ha actively having to work on, when your passive income is greater than your current expenses, you're now technically financially free because you have enough money coming in to pay for your day-to-day -day lifestyle. Yeah. So where my wife and I were, we had never heard of this thing called passive income. So we had none. Mm -hmm. And we had a heck of a lot of expenses. So at that choice or place in our life, there'd be no way to ever become financially free. But when we learned about passive income, we started taking part-time, you know, we committed to 30 minutes a day. So two, um, five days a week, two and a half hours a week to learn and figure out this passive income thing. So we started putting energy toward it. But then the biggest difference we did is we said, what don't we need right now in our life that's costing a lot of expenses that if we were to get rid of it, we could bring our expenses down dramatically. We simplified our life and we were willing to take the hard look because we yeah. started thinking long-term. So we sold the boat, got rid of the expenses, sold one of the cars, got rid of the expenses. So as we did a deep dive and really simplified our life to where we were at, all of a sudden it only took us two passive incomes when all of a sudden the two surpassed. And we were now technically financially free. We still had debt, but we had enough income to service the debt. Mm -hmm. Okay. But here's where the magic really happened. The moment we had financial freedom, we went from working 50, 60, 
70 hours or more a week in our business earning a living, all of a sudden we didn't have to work anymore. And all of a sudden we freed up all those hours. And if I was to come to you, Ted, and say, hey, this uh, aerodynamic genie, for those who are just listening (laughs) and not viewing, I am aerodynamic. If I was to sit there and say, Ted, here's 50 hours a week extra to do with whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Do you think you could do some great stuff with that time? Oh, absolutely. That's so what I try to do right now with the small time that I have. <laughs> right? The financial freedom gave us something we never expected. That was the real gold. It gave us time freedom. Mm. Because now we had these extra 50 hours a week that we used to, or more, that we were spending in our stores trying to earn a living. And we said, you know what? Let's commit 10 hours a week mm. to create wealth. And also now without having the pressure of just trying to get you know, the bills paid, Having that 10 hours a week to focus on creating wealth, the wealth creation came so much easier. So what I'm going to suggest to your audience, the biggest struggle that people have is they go, I'm deep in debt and I want to be wealthy. And they try to jump. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, go to financial free first, get the time freedom, and then create the wealth. And watch how much easier and less stressful it is. And a huge side benefit, one of the main reasons people don't go for success is because they go... I'm going to have to take more time away from my family. My family's going to pay the price. And they see wealthy people that just go for success implode family-wise. So Mm -hmm. if you have the time freedom, you can now create wealth and have the time with your family because you can't have both. Yeah, That would be my suggestion. And I know some of the the Dave Ramsey fans and the Dave Ramsey's listening to this. First of all, hey, Dave Ramsey listens to my podcast. Second of all, <laughs> he's probably not going to be a big fan of the of the you know focusing on financially free first. But to be honest, you almost look at okay, what's going to have the greatest amount of impact and really the greatest benefit for moving forward. Just like mathematically, it doesn't make sense to always pay down your smallest debt first. You want to pay down the highest interest. But there is a dopamine release when you pay off that first one. There's yep. you're like, ooh, okay. Now it trickles on to the next one. So mathematically, it might not make sense, but in practice, it's probably going to be more of an efficient move. So yeah. I certainly agree with you on that. When you say you focused, you and your wife focused the 30 minutes a day on this passive income thing, acquiring a lot of knowledge. And this is where I, if I'm being honest where I probably find myself and where a lot of people find themselves is I can talk about four or five different business models and how to make money passively. I can explain it to you. I can even break it down with some degree of confidence, but the implementation of it is a completely different thing. And yes. the knowledge is great, but that doesn't always equal the payout. Why is that? Correct. Well, because one of the biggest things is people don't take action. Third step in my book, is you have to take action. You have the greatest knowledge, but, and the reason most people don't take action is they're afraid of what if I make a mistake? Mm. What if it doesn't work out? What if I lose? Guess what? It's going to happen. <laughs> and if you use that as a reason not to move forward, and I love the saying, you know, you've heard the saying, ready, aim, fire. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what happens for most people, they get ready, they aim, they aim, and they aim some more, but they ever never actually fire, and they wonder why they can't succeed. So we put a little switch on it and say, Get ready in the time you have, fire, which means you're in the game, then aim, which means you make a correction and you fire Mm. again, aim, fire again, aim. And so that 30 minutes a day, here's how easy it can be to start. There's three different things you can do in that 30 minutes a day. And this is what we did. Either use that time and there's no one more important than the other. It's not like you have to do this first, this second, this third. No, I'm just giving you three points. 
you do either of the three. One, you can use that time for learning about passive incomes. Okay, learn. Well, Robert, where do I start? Something that you enjoy. If you enjoy real estate, learn about real estate. If you enjoy crypto, learn about crypto. If you enjoy investing, learn about investing. Because if you enjoy it, because it's not going to be easy, it's going to take work. Yeah. And if if you're just doing something to make money, the moment you get the first little hurdle, you're going to quit. (laughs) So if you're enjoying it, you're going to stick with it. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. That's why I started this podcast and, you know, the idea and the thought process and the execution of it is a business to make money, sponsorships, audience, all that. But when you ask, hey, if you had 50 hours more a week, you know, someone asked me, he said, if happiness was currency, what job would you do that made you rich? And I was like, I would love to sit down and talk to some of the most interesting people in the world, hear their stories. Why do you think I train? <laughs> you know, well, and, and to not to toot my own horn, but around the world, I've shared the stage with the Dalai Lama, Sir Richard Branson, F.W. de Klerk, who was the president of South Africa that set Mandela free, yeah. uh, Stephen Covey Sr., one of the last events he did before he passed away. I was a host, and I get to spend time in the green room with these people one-on-one. And I've spent time with millionaires and multi-billionaires in the green rooms going out to just a noodle house. You know, I was in Singapore, mm-hmm. And I'm taught this billionaire from China, 38 years old. We end up through translation having a great conversation in the green room. And he goes, oh, uh, would you like to join me for dinner? And I'm like, give me one moment. I walk out of the green room. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I walk back in calmly. And I'm like, my schedule says I can. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and here we are just, he has an entourage of about 20 people. I bring along a friend who speaks Mandarin so he can translate for me to help me out. And we just had a great little noodle dinner. And telling him about, you know, ask him, what do you do? And how did you, because his story was so inspiring, getting to know him as a human. And so these are the things I love to do because I have that freedom now. And you never know who you're going to run into when you're following your true passion. Mm. So get financially free. So yeah, learn about investments. Second thing you can do with that time, and this is going to shock some of your, your listeners, invest. Actually mm. get in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Make like, it real. What? That's right. Again, some of your greatest lessons come from what does not work. Yeah. So if you're going to try and be perfect, you're never going to start. And then when you do make a mistake, you're going to beat the crap out of yourself. And that'll be a bigger reason not to do it again. So you've got to just get it in there, like I said before. And then the third thing you can do at that time is actually create, use it to create or purchase existing passive business incomes that are already there. You know, people mm-hmm. don't realize there's businesses, and, and I'm in Canada, so we have what's called our RSPs. In the U.S., you have your 401ks. There's actually passive businesses that you can actually purchase with your 401k that's already set up, already making money and producing an income that you don't even have to do the work. You can actually go in and say, hey, I'm going to invest in this one and look at the return I'm already getting that goes right back into your 401k. And so it's about having a different way of looking at things. That's the key. That's so huge that you just mentioned that because so many people, when they look in the mirror, they think to themselves, identity-wise, I'm not a business owner. I'm not this this business person, entrepreneur. And the hard part is is breaking that barrier of the identity and how we see ourselves. Because I would say I've known so many people personally who do well for themselves. They have a good career. They make good money. They haven't overextended their expenses. And they're so focused on contributing to their 401k and Roth IRA. And they have all these investment accounts in the portfolios. And they're almost acquiring wealth, but they're still working 
to a degree where they're trying to maintain their lifestyle. And you almost see, and this is where the difference in mindset is, you see the opportunity ahead of them to acquire a business, acquire something that's already made. And quite frankly, too, already serves a skill set that they possess. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll give you a great example of that. Back before Netflix really dominated things, do you remember mm-hmm. when all of a sudden in all the Walmarts and around, you saw the red boxes for renting yeah. videos? Did you know people own those and are making the money off of every one? And we were able to actually at a, at a seminar, we brought someone to our students and they said, yeah, we, we put these in place. We oversee them. We maintain them. We fill the CDs or DVDs into them, but we need investors to put them in more locations and someone could put in like seven grand out of their IRA and mm-hmm. that, and they'd say, okay, seven grand, this one's yours. But, and they do it in groups so that they could average it out. And it's not like, Ooh, I hit a rock star one and you didn't sucks to be you. <laughs> they would do groups and they'd average them out. And it would be like, here's your monthly return every single month. And all they had to do was the investment part of it. And this company ran everything. Mm-hmm. When the credit card processing machine switched over, someone owns each one of those machines that's in a store. And every transaction, that fee, someone gets paid for it. Every ATM machine, someone owns that ATM machine. Why isn't it you? Yeah. See, here's the way I vision it. And this is what I want people to really vision in their house. Ted, would you love to have a room in your house? When you walk in the room, it's just shelves of all these little money-making machines spitting out money to you. Would you like to have a room like that? I'd remodel my house right now. <laughs> right? And that's what passive business incomes can give you. Now, does it mean you never have to touch it? You never have to do anything? No, take responsibility for your own investments. You've yeah. got to do your due diligence. So I spend time on each of my passive incomes to make sure that I know enough that if they're going the wrong way, I know to get out of them. Because mm. if, if I'm, I'm not just going to, where I used to really struggle is if something sounded good like an investment, I'd hand the money over. And then when I'd lose it, I'd blame the person who did the investing. <laughs> but then it was like, but who's the jerk that gave them the money? All right, it's sitting in your seat right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I educate myself enough because I don't do all my own investing, but I know enough to know if the person I'm using is doing it well or not. Yeah. And I take the emotion out of it. And if it's not going well, it's like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Next. And, and the two powerful words I go by for are, what's next? Yeah. That's how I live my life. Like when March 10th, 2020, I was flying home from India. I had just finished an amazing three-day event. I hop on the plane in Mumbai. 16 hours later, I land in Toronto, Ontario. And in the 16 hours in the air, the world changed for me. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden we land, they're holding us on the tarmac, and they're not letting us come to the terminal. When they finally to do, there's two border agents at the plane checking passports as we're coming off. Luckily, they let me go to my connecting flight. I got home and I got instantly put into isolation because I was in another country. And all of a sudden, all my live events around the world got canceled. And all of a sudden, hundreds of thousands of dollars in revenue, gone. And I played the victim for a couple of weeks. I absolutely did. But then when I started coming out of it, my wife and I sat down and we said, okay, 200,000 miles a year to zero, what's next? And I'm blessed that I live on a very beautiful acreage. And we had said, well, we bought this acreage three years ago with the idea of someday eventually building our own training studio so I'd travel less. And my wife said, well, you're home. We've got the time. Why don't we build it now? Well, then all the what-if scenarios, a million what-if scenarios. What if I don't train again? How long will this thing last? All that revenue, what if it doesn't come back? And so then we use two more very powerful words, which are all in. The moment we made the decision, 
then it was all in. Where people struggle, Ted, is they sit there and they go, I want to do this, but plan B, just in case, I'm going to do have that in place as a fallback. Well, guess where your mind's going to go? It's going to find a reason to go to the plan B and take yeah. you away from having the win. Look at the book, Three Feet from Gold. You'll be right three feet from gold and you'll quit to go to plan B. So we go all in. What was supposed to be a five-month project took over a year. But now I'm sitting talking to you in my brand new 2,400 square foot training center off the back of my house. Hey, I'm in my training business. I'm seven figures down plus. Mm -hmm. But I've recreated and I've been bringing it back in other ways. And how does that foundation make you feel? Because a lot of people look at the setbacks and I think it was Denzel Washington or maybe he was paraphrasing someone else where he said, you know, you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from experience. Yeah. And that setback, I, I mean... Listen, seven figures is something that might scare most people in terms of imagining losing that much. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people who would love to make that, but imagine, you know, having to lose that much and build back from it. You know, what is, I guess, the foundation where, of where you are currently? How does that make you feel in terms of excitement for the future despite that loss? Well, because we put the focus on what's next. I'm doing things today that I wanted to do 15 years ago. See, I, I was contracting out and teaching other material, but now I'm creating my own that I've had already being created throughout the years, but it never put into place. So now I've got partnerships with people I've dreamed of being partners with. You know, this past weekend, I did a three-day training that myself and a partner, we created, and it blew away our audience. Nine countries we had students <laughs> from. And again, it was going to be a one-off training, but they're like, hell no, we need this again because... We, we helped people. It wasn't about, you know, things to make more money. It was about discovering who you truly are, the hard work of really owning who you are. Because once you really get who you are, get away from the superficial yeah. and you really truly see who you are, now you can move forward and really create long lasting success in all areas. And when we talk success, here's a big thing I'm, I'm on, Ted. It's not just money, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, financial. Cover all five areas. If you want to be success in one, you're going to take out the other four or the other four are going to take out the one. You've got to have that balance in all five areas. And so as soon as our students spoke up and said, no, you got to do it again, I looked at my partner. We said, in that moment, we made a decision. We went, okay, done. And you know, that's what's exciting me. So it's going back to the foundation of, and I love that you said the experience. I know what it is to be broke. I know what it is to be financially stressed. I choose not to go there again. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to keep creating the life I truly love. And so your audience understands, when I was traveling 200,000 miles a year, I was still taking six months a year off. Because oh, wow. I had learned early in my career, I got burnt out. I was only at home on average two days a month. And the only reason it worked is because my wife was with me. And so all of a sudden I realized overliving my passion was bad. And I decided to take a year off. But because I had not been taking care of myself, I herniated a disc, went through two back surgeries, and ended up taking three and a half years off. Wow. And you know what? Thank goodness the one thing we didn't have to worry about during that time was how the bills were going to be paid because we had taken care of that. Those are the basics. And that's where I look at it. And so my wife and I will sit down and do a financial audit of our lives every once in a while. You know, just like doing a time audit. Are you being busy or are you being productive? See, people are really good at being busy. And they go, I have no time. No, you're just being busy. But if you were to be productive, you could free up a lot of time. Yeah. You know? And so that's we look at those things. We introspect so much. That's why we're able to create the life we want.
Man, that introspection is so important. And for any of the listeners who are who are thinking like, oh, okay, you know, the pandemic hit. I wish we could build a studio in the back or whatnot. A lot of this is also the preparation and the work that was put in over the yes. years. Yes. And I talk about what we mentioned in No Rain, No Rainbows is the storm that you go through right now is not going to be any bigger than the storms you go through in the future, but your umbrella gets bigger and your capacity to stay dry in that storm becomes more impactful as you increase who you are. The problems I had to surround yourself with too. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. And sometimes they have a big umbrella. You can stand under while you kind of shake yours off. (laughs) Right. Well, and, and, and see, and that's it because People think they have to do it on their own. Stop it. <laughs> be willing to be vulnerable enough to say, you know what? My umbrella is leaking like crazy. I'm getting soaked. Yeah. Can I step under yours until I can repair mine? Mm. And having the willingness to ask, you may be pleasantly surprised with the people that go, absolutely. But what does our mind say? No, I don't want to be a burden. Uh, you know, what if they say no? Um, you know, they'll think I'm weak. Who cares what they think? What do you want for you and your family? Mm-hmm. And what are you willing to do mainly? Like I'm talking legal, ethical, and moral. What are you willing to do? And the biggest thing for most people is being willing to get out of their own way. That's the scariest job right there. I just shared a post for anyone that follows me about my modern man company, Men's Networking and Empowerment. And the shirt I, I designed says, are you good? And in the post, I pretty much mentioned how, you know, when I get asked that question, usually it's, uh, I'm doing good, man. I'm surviving. I'm thriving. But a lot of times I don't answer truthfully because I don't want to be a burden to anybody else. Right. I feel like I should have my stuff handled. <laughs> you know what? One of the greatest gifts that I believe anybody can give this world mm-hmm. is to be authentic. Yeah. Speak your truth with compassion. How many times do you walk in down and you see someone go, hey, dad, how you doing? You go, good. And then you walk by and you go, I'm not freaking doing good. Why the hell did I say I'm good? I got this. <laughs> but we're afraid to be to say, hey, you know, I'm struggling right now. Yeah. Because we're afraid it's going to scare people off. And here's the truth. It will. But if it scares someone off that you're speaking your truth, then do you really want to spend a lot of time with them? Mm-hmm. But if you can sit there and you have the relationships with people, my one business partner, one of our agreements is if we're having a tough day, we can get a hold of the other person and we can set up a time and just event. Now, the other person's there to be the sounding board. They don't take it personal. They're not there to solve the problem. They're just there to allow the other person to get it out of the system. Because what do most people do? Crap comes in and it wants to come out, which is what it needs to do. Emotion in and out. Energy in motion. But most people, it comes in and it comes, it goes to come out and they go, stop. No. And they suppress. And so it comes up with more intensity. And so they push down harder. And all of a sudden they're now in this tug of war. And when it finally has so much pressure, it either manifests in disease inside of themselves or comes out in a weird way that people are like, what's wrong with you, you crazy, right? And Mm -hmm. so by having this practice, it allows us to just vent and then they're like, are you good? I'm good. Thank you. And that's all it takes sometimes. It's not about fixing. And so Mm -hmm. who are you surrounding yourself with? And even look, I'm learning every day. A year and a half ago, a mentor gave me one of those transition life changes. Because yeah. I've been a big believer in surrounding yourself with like-minded people. I tell my students all over the world, surround yourself with like-minded people. And he looked at me and goes, Robert, if you're surrounded by complainers and you're like-minded, you're going to be a complainer, my friend. Mm. And I went, ooh. And so what's the answer? He says, surround yourself with growth-minded people. And here's the difference. A growth-minded person is going to be there to pick you up when you stumble. They're going to be your greatest cheering squad when you're doing well. 
But the most important role they're going to have is they're going to be the ones that are willing, willing to have the tough conversations with you when needed. And an example of that is my wife. I will be the first to admit to you, Ted, I would not be doing what I do today if it was not for her, because she's the one that is not willing to me to let me play smaller than I am. Even if it means she has to kick me in the ass to get me to step up my game. And of course, I'm always open to when she's kicking me in the butt, right? Oh, yeah. I'm never defensive at all. Never, never. <laughs> but all of a sudden, when I realize that obviously she's right and I step up my game, I live a life today because my wife's willing to stand in that power and say, look, you're being a jerk. Look, you're playing small. And I have friends around me. That's our agreements with each other. And we yeah. don't get arrogant about it. We don't get nasty. It's just can be like, let's have a conversation. Because I'm noticing something. And so are you willing to surround yourself with those kind of people? Because yeah. that's what will allow you to play into your greatness. No, I love that. It's all about the growth. And, and wanting to kind of attest to that internal tug of war, I wanted just for a depiction. And for those listening, they won't be able to see. So I have a cup here with water. And uh, I'm never going to forget the depiction. Let's say you're, you're holding this cup out in front of you. It's not a heavy cup. You could hold it for five, 10 minutes, two hours, three hours. But the longer you hold it, the cup, gets heavy, right? Your, your hands outstretched, it starts shaking. And then eventually it gets just too heavy. I let it go. And then water gets everywhere. And my friend said, his mentor said, why'd the water get everywhere? And it's like, cause you tried to hold it too long. He's like, yeah, that might be so. Or maybe the fact the water got everywhere. Cause there was water in the cup. <laughs> you never took the time to empty it out. <laughs> right. You know, cause we all, we'll get shaky, but if there's no water in the cup, you don't get everybody wet. <laughs> yep, that's exactly it that's exactly it and that's why you know my favorite and sorry to jump in on this no because it sounds quirky but i use this every day my favorite anchor when i'm realizing i'm hanging on to something and i'm stressing mm -hmm. is i go to my favorite animated movie right now which is frozen let it go let it go <laughs> that's the only part of the song that i know and i will actually physically sometimes sing that because all of a sudden it's a trigger to go wow what are you hanging on to Mm -hmm. And so, I, so then much. I let it go. And for anyone that's really trying to accelerate themselves and get to that next level, sometimes it's it's not so much putting wind in our sails, but getting rid of the drag that's slowing us down. Mm -hmm. And we have yes. to let go. We yes, have sir. to let go. Yes. Robert, I wish we can we can go on and on and on. We did talk about beforehand being able to do a two hour. <laughs> episode. Well, I didn't. I forgot to warn you that you get me talking, man. I just. <laughs> yeah, you just get going and uh, but hey i think that our audience is is definitely a lot more insightful thanks for to these last 30 minutes where we were able to kind of get some insight into your journey and i know we kind of just hit the tip of the iceberg but i know there's still a lot of value within the book that you kind of put your heart and soul into success left the clue i'd love for our audience to have the ability to follow up with you follow the work you're doing and get a copy of the book yeah, you know, and Ted, look, here's the thing. You were so gracious to invite me to be on your podcast. And I believe one of our greatest commodities is our time. And the fact that you took your time to do that means a lot to me. And even more so, the fact that your audience taking the time to listen to this aerodynamic person rattle on. <laughs> I really appreciate that. And so as a gift to everybody from you and I to them for taking their valuable time is they can actually download the entire digital copy of my book, Success Left Clue, as our gift to them. Now, I will say, though, it comes with a caveat. It's, see, I didn't write the book for you to take it, put it on the shelf, and make it shelf help. 
That's not why I wrote it. <laughs> and, you know, I mentioned earlier that of the six steps, step number three is taking action. In all my travels around the world, the biggest difference between success and non is successful people take action. So I wrote the book as a workbook. And all the way through it, there are action steps. And I'll even say, hey, did you do the last action? If not, stop reading right now. Go back and do that action before you read anymore. Because I know people are creatures of habit. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to promise your audience, if they download the book, read it and do the actions, they'll take their life to another level. And they can just simply access it at robertrealpel.com. Just my name, nice and easy. Mm -hmm. And the other bonus I'm going to throw in with them for doing that is because I'm in that give back phase of my life right now, I live a very blessed life and I love helping people. I've trained over half a million people around the world is they can also then book in a 20 minute strategy call with me one-on-one -on -one, with me one-on-one -on -one, where they will fill out a form so I can see how I can best help them. And in that 20 minutes, I'm not going to sell them anything. I'm just going to say, here's some strategies to take your life to another level. And so they can book in for that as well. And I'd love to do that as a gift for your audience. Hey, that's very much appreciated, Robert. And I'll have those links in the show notes as well. So uh, hopefully the audience takes advantage of that. And of course, I know for sure we'll benefit from it as well. But this has been an amazing conversation. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. And even further, I look forward to keeping up with your work and, and following you moving forward, Robert. Ah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. And I'm going to recap some of the things you left along the way to the audience because we appreciate you making it to the end. And as always, you might be cleaning, driving, walking around, maybe going for a jog while you listen. So don't worry. I did the note taking for you. And I got to say, my pen almost ran out of ink halfway through the episode. Work is to support your family. That mindset has us get into something where we, we might not like what we're doing. We're just looking for the high paying job. And then we get golden handcuffed to a life that we need to support while working a job that we don't really like working. We've all heard the, the analogy of I go to work early so I can sit in traffic in the car that I could barely afford to work the job to pay for the house that I barely spend time in because I'm too busy stuck in traffic in the car I could barely afford. But get out of that wheel, get out of that race and kind of repurpose yourself and looking into what first can give the best ROI for your time to take back some time, use that extra time to focus in on some passive income and then take the action. You figure out a way. Robert is much like myself and Robert's wife saying, hey, being the youngest of five, we figure out a way. We can get it done. And you can too, if you really put your mind to it and do it later. If you want to reinvent the wheel and you want to be innovative and you have this idea, that's great. But maybe do it when you have a parachute to survive the free fall for a while. Because when you innovate, when you do something as grand as let's take Henry Ford, for example, introducing the Model T, trying to rearrange people's habits of the horse, that did not happen overnight. And you have to have a pretty big parachute to handle the free fall that comes with adopting a new reinvention. So do it later, get the financial freedom first. Passive income overshadowing your expenses is the way. Doesn't mean you're out of debt. It means that your income can service that debt as Robert pointed out. And I can go on and on and on, but one of my favorites before I wrap this up, fire, then aim. Because so many of us aim 
and we never actually fire. I want you guys to fire, aim, fire again, and continue to succeed moving forward, even through the failures and the lessons along the way. So Robert, thank you again to the audience. We appreciate you. If you enjoyed the episode, it would mean the world to us if you could leave a rating and let us know how we're doing and share this with a friend you know can benefit from it too, as we hope to keep spreading this message and help others get through their storms to live their best lives. And also, if you love the podcast so much and you want to support on a monetary level, you can also hear extra content from some of our guests like Robert and others. Just be sure to support our Patreon page for as little as $1 a month. Guys, that's our time. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow.